Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's good to be home. We, uh, we got home, I think it was Wednesday. Uh, we were supposed to get home Tuesday, and we missed our connecting flight in Denver. Uh, last time we went to Columbia, we spent the night in a Dunkin' Donuts in Washington, D.C. Not something I would recommend. It takes a lot of donuts to make a mattress, I'm telling you. But this time, we ended up spending the night in Denver, and we had to suffer for Jesus because it was the Air Force, or Air, Air Force, the uh, airline's fault, they gave us each our own suite, not room, our own suite, and it was sweet, I'm telling you. That bed was glorious. I almost missed my next flight. It was awesome. So they, they paid for that, but it was a great trip, and God, God really moved, and we're going to share some things about that this morning. Uh, of what the Lord did, because I really believe that uh, what were, for me was the highlight of the trip was a prophetic message to all of us. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at that this morning. But uh, I also have an announcement to make this morning. And, uh, but before we do that, I want to kind of frame it up with a little bit of teaching. Uh, I want to I pull up, I want you to look up 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 12 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 18. I want to kind of root this in Scripture, what God is doing right now. And then we're going to, we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to have Christopher come up. We're going, to, we're going to tag team some testimonies and so forth. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for all you have done this morning. Lord, we could go home satisfied and filled. Now, Lord, I ask that you would stretch time. Like you did for Joshua, let the sun stand still. Let this next half hour become about two hours. In Jesus' name, amen. I noticed there wasn't any amens when I said that. Hey, if it worked, your, your microwave, your stove, everything, you know, if you got it on auto, it would, it would work. So, all right, real quick here. I want to just look at uh, this passage, make a few comments. Let's read it. I have it in the NIV here. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Now, this is Paul. Paul is, is addressing the Corinthian church. This is his second book. And the first book, he was dealing with all kinds of sin in the church. The second time, he's dealing with uh, people that have come in from the outside and are trying to disrupt and take over uh, what Paul has established through his calling. And so uh, they call them interlopers, people who have come in and tried to take over. And so it's really heartbreaking if you read it from that perspective, because Paul is a brokenhearted father trying to, he's... He's defending his authority to speak into their lives is what he's doing. And so after he's, he's talked, uh, you know, in, in the first few verses, he said that, you know, we're not, uh, people say that, he, Paul said, they say that I'm strong in my letters, and, but when I get there, his speaking isn't much. And, and uh, it's on the same passage where he talked about tearing down strongholds. So the spiritual warfare that Paul was involved in was connected to people coming from the outside and trying to split the church and take over the work that he had started and to discredit him so they could give themselves credibility. And he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the tearing down of strongholds. The context of that, we've talked about that verse many times, but the context here 
is that he's talking about these belief systems that have come in and begin to divide the church. So Paul understood that spiritual warfare in the local church demands that we confront belief systems because those belief systems can provide a cover for wrong behavior. And so rather than just demand new behavior, he's addressing the belief systems from which they flow. So that's what he's doing. And so he gets into verse 12 and he said, we dare not to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. And he was referring to those who have come from the outside. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Uh, the ESV really gives a good translation of that. He's saying that they, they show they don't understand what's really going on. They show that they don't have an understanding of how the spiritual realm and how authority works. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about spiritual authority and ultimately the expansion of spiritual authority or what we could refer to as promotion in the kingdom, okay? So he says, verse 13, we, however, do not, will not boast beyond proper limits. That's a key word there, proper limits, but we will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. It's, it's an interesting passage. I remember reading this many years ago and thinking, what in the world is he talking about? Paul says that he's, he, he's not going to boast beyond proper limits. He said it's not wrong to celebrate what God has done through you, but you need to do it within the limitations God has assigned to you. Everybody has a calling. Number one, that calling is real. And number two, there are limits on your calling. And as we are faithful with little, we'll be made faithful over much. God will expand your fence line of where you operate. And so he says, we're going to confine. There's a, con a confining of the boasting. And the, con the confines of the boasting is to the fence line of the calling. Okay? So he's, he uses the Greek word metron. And it, metron is a measure. It's where we get the word metric. Metron is a measure of authority. Matter of fact, uh, I taught the young adults class Wednesday night and ended up speaking on this. I didn't intend to speak on it this morning, but really felt like the Lord told me last night. He wants us to, to talk about this, that there's a metron, a measure of authority each one of you have been given. You have the basic human authority given to you, delegated by God in creation. You never lost that, although you did abdicate it through the fall. You have that back in Christ. There was a lot of teaching, especially in the 70s, on the authority of the believer, that we have authority in Christ, that we have back the authority that we were given in creation, but we only have it in Christ. We can function in that. But there's also the authority, there's an added dimension of authority or, of, or an investment of authority from heaven on your life that matches your calling. Now, the authority in the kingdom, the calling in the kingdom, the metron, if you will. And some trans, I like the NAS, it talks about it as a fence line. It's your measurement. It's like you have a field. You've got a patch of ground in the spirit. And it's important for us to understand this. We need to understand how the spiritual realm works, both so that we can fully give ourselves to it and so that we don't violate it in the spirit. We need to understand how this works. That God has given you a fence line, a patch of ground in the spirit that you occupy and you function in authority there. One of the most important elements of authority is you need to fill your space. Because if you don't, there are rogue entities in the spirit called the demonic that will. The supernatural hates a vacuum. 
And if you aren't filling your space and exercising dominion over what God has delegated to you, somebody else will. The enemy will send someone else into your life that is more than willing to fill the space delegated to you. And sometimes that happens. They don't even realize what's going on. But they are operating in your space on your abdicated authority. But they don't have the wisdom sent from God because it's on you to, to exercise that dominion. For instance, let me get real practical. I know that's mystical. Here, as a dad, I am the head of my household. That means that I am the servant of all in my house. If there's a problem, the buck stops with me. They come to me. And I need to exercise dominion in my home. I need to rule it. I, there, there can't be two heads of the house. I can't allow that for the, the health of my family. I can't allow some, some other individual to move in my house and begin to exercise dominion. I've raised seven children. Okay, well, we, you know, I've raised six of them. We've had seven, and we raised one for a little while. And I'm telling you that raising kids, at times, some of them, who will go unnamed, tried to also exercise dominion in my home. And it was a clash of the wills. Some of my kids have moved out. The, one of them, I told, he, he wanted to move back in. He moved back in for a while. And I said, you need to move back out. I love you. Let's do lunch. Let's meet for breakfast. Come for holidays. Let's stay buddies. But there's not room for the both of us in this house. And it wasn't even so much the rebellion at that stage as that individual was exercising the dominion over his personal life and he didn't know where his fence line stopped. It stopped where mine began. And he was trying to plant petunias in my garden. And, uh, and hey, we got a great relationship because he has his house and I have mine. That's an awesome thing. But if you're a dad, you need to exercise dominion over your space. If you're a boss, you need to exercise dominion. That doesn't mean authoritarian. It means that you don't allow anything to go on in that space that you believe is not of God. And so God has delegated a metron to you. So he says, go on here. Uh, we will, however, okay, he says, let, listen to verse 12 again. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They're not wise. Or they show they have no understanding of how this really works. He's, what he's saying is when they measure their calling by other, other believers, when their measurement is vertical, and I'm going to compare myself with other pastors or other fathers or... You are showing that you're not wise. You don't understand how this thing works because we all have a unique calling and I need to find my measurement vertically. I need to look to God for my marching orders. Because if I'm comparing myself with another pastor, in the good times I get prideful and in the bad times I give in to despair. When in reality I need to get my marching orders from the Father. And so he goes on, he says... We, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits. We will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So he's saying to the Corinthians, listen, guys, you fall within the realm of my authority. I, essentially, he's saying, I'm a spiritual father to you. In another passage to the same church, Paul said, I am a father who's going to present you as a pure and spotless bride to the groom, Jesus. He's saying, it's my job to protect you as my daughter, as the church is his daughter, to protect your virginity, your purity, so you, I can present you to Jesus. So like a good dad, he has a shotgun in the closet. You want to date my daughter? Let's sit down and talk. You know? 
you're going to protect your daughter. Amen. And there should have been a heart, more hearty amen from you fathers. Okay. Okay. So verse 14, we are not going too far in our boasting as would be the case if we had not come to you, but we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Paul's saying, listen, you fall within the allotment of my authority, within the allotment of my calling. I have brought the gospel to you. So I have the right to speak into your life and to protect you. I have an obligation before God and I will give an answer to God for that. And Paul doesn't apologize for that. He, matter of fact, he boasts about it. And so what happens a lot of times is in our culture, in our, our American culture that we think no one's going to tell us what to do, we have our own personal declaration of independence. We're not open to someone speaking into our life. And there's a danger to that. And we can get ourselves off into danger. So we need to submit to authority. Now, the other thing when it comes to authority, and this is for another day, we need to submit to spiritual authority. We need, when they're speaking into our life, we need to take that counsel very seriously. But the flip side is we also need to understand there's limitations to authority. For instance, I am a dad, but I'm not everybody's dad. So I'm not going to pay for your college. No, I'm just kidding. It, uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a husband. Scripture says, wives submit to your husband. It doesn't say women submit to men. Say it again. It, the Bible doesn't teach female submission to male authority. It teaches the submission of a woman, a woman to her husband. Because there's limitations on authority. Just be, When I worked at Teen Challenge, uh, man, you could have a 300-pound biker, and I'd come in and make a little pipsqueak. Hey, give me 20. You're rebellious. Give me 20 push-ups. And he'd put them out. If I thought, whoa, man, I'm bad. Man, I told this 300-pound biker, so I'm going downtown and find, going to a biker bar and start handing out push-ups. I would have learned very quickly that my authority did not extend to the biker bar. There was a confine to my authority. It was in Teen Challenge. And my authority as a pastor has a spiritual dimension, and I can counsel you from the word out of love and, and warn you, hey, don't do this. But ultimately, you are responsible for your own house. And you don't abdicate the leadership of your house to some pastor. That is very, very important. I'm not called to fill your space. I'm still working on mine. You need to fill your space. And then when we submit to authority, we listen, then we, fill, we, we take that counsel, but we also exercise dominion over our own home. So it's, it's just some very important principles. We can teach it more on this in the future. So he says, we are not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come as far as you. Verse 15, neither do we go beyond our proper, proper limits by boasting of work done by others. Paul said, I'm not going to get into the domain of other people. I'm going I'm to keep my domain where God's assigned to me. Now here, here it is. Here are the keys to expanding your authority. How many of you want more authority in the kingdom? You should not be shy about that. I want an expansion. I want what's on my life to grow. Yes. So here's the key. Our hope is that, as, number one, as your faith continues to grow, number two, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, and number three, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we don't want to work, boast about work done in another man's territory. Paul wanted something to offer to Jesus and say, here's, here's the crown. I, I ruled over this territory, and I want, to bow, I want to present this crown to you. He wanted something to be able to give God. 
So the three steps are this. Paul, essentially, Paul was saying this. Listen, I really want to preach the gospel in other places. There were times Paul tried to go into a city. You can see it in Acts 16. He tried to go into a city, and the Spirit said no. Then he tried to go in another city. The Spirit said no, that ain't your place. And all of a sudden, he has a prophetic dream of a guy from Macedonia. Come over here. And it was on. And Paul saw a tremendous breakthrough because there was this apostolic authority wed with prophetic directives, and he went in and there was breakthrough. But Paul couldn't do that everywhere. Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, I may not be an apostle to them. Paul understood his apostolic role didn't extend to any, everyone any more than my fatherly role as a biological father extends to every family. But when Paul knew he was being expanded, he would own that space. And there are times in your life where God will expand the authority on your life and give you a greater reach and when that happens, it's time to grow into your space and begin to work. How do you do that? He said, I, my, he said my hope is that as your faith grows. He said, I'm going to pour myself into the Corinthian church. I'm going to stretch them. I'm going to cause their faith to grow. And then he says, our activity among you will greatly expand. He said, as you grow, you're going to put a greater claim upon the gift of God in my life. And as you're growing, it's going to cause me to grow. I'm going to have to come up to a higher level in, in leadership. I'm going to have to greatly expand in my exercise of spiritual gifts and my wisdom. And as you grow, it puts a demand on me. And I grow. And he said, then the Lord will allow me to preach the gospel beyond you. What is he saying? He's saying you can literally outgrow your own garden. You become bigger than your own fence line. There's promotional authority. And we are entering a season where God's doing that on a number of fronts. Where God is going to begin to expand the reach. I want to share some testimonies from Columbia. Christopher, if you would come on up here. And uh, I want to share some things that, if this is, here we go. Uh, share some, we, we went into Columbia and did a, a, a conference at a church, there was a pastor down there that uh, we had met many years ago, and he invited us to come in, and, and uh, God moved. It was wonderful. I'll let Christopher share some testimonies from that. But to me, the highlight was last Sunday morning, and then we're going to talk about that after Christopher shares some testimonies. So. All right. Uh, I was thinking about what to share. There's, there's all kinds of different testimonies that God working on several levels, and then uh, when uh, Leanne was talking about being on an airplane, I remembered my flight from Panama City to Medellin, uh, kind of at the last minute before we took off, a young man sat down next to me on the flight. Um, he's from Mexico City, around 25 years old, start talking to him, it was an hour flight, and just start sharing the gospel with him, and uh, he's not saved, and, uh, but as we were talking, I could tell I didn't feel like I was, I was to lead him in the sinner's prayer, but that he's close to the kingdom. Some people, they're not open at all. Other people, they're close to the kingdom. And I could, I could tell that. And so we had a great dialogue. And at the end, just asked if I could pray for him, prayed over him. And then I, I just said, hey, him and his girlfriend were going to be um, in vacationing in the city of Medellin the same time, the same amount of time that we were going to be there. And so I said, hey, man, I'd love to, for you to come to one of the services. I'm sure that wasn't why he was planning on going to Medellin, was to go to church. But I was like, hey, I'd love to have you. And so gave him my information, and we got busy with stuff and didn't hear anything. And then till finally on Saturday, he's like, now, hey, what's the direction? Or that direction. Uh, what's the address of that church? And uh, so gave him that. 
So we were actually a little bit late getting to the service. They, they got there early, him and his girlfriend, of course, who I'd never met before either. And uh, so I, I kind of warned him it could be a little different than the, what they're used to. Um, and uh, so anyways, we start to go into ministry time. And I go up to them and just ask them, what are you feeling? Just as God's presence begin to settle in the place. And this young lady, she couldn't answer me. She didn't open up, she couldn't talk, but I could see the tears just streaming down her eyes. And I was just releasing the Father's embrace, and and I just asked her, I said, can I just give you a hug from the Father? And just held her in arms as she cried. And when she left my arms, before I could even ask him, he was pretty much like, okay, I'm next, (laughs) just to receive the Father's embrace. And I give them both a kiss on the head and and uh, it was just so sweet to watch them encounter God, and, and I'm, I'm still in touch with him, and I believe God has great things for this young man as he is so close to the kingdom. It is beautiful to see. So that was just the plane ride. Anyways, uh, but being there, um, there was uh, salvation, there was healing, there was deliverance. Um, the very first day, um, just speaking on the Father's love, just saw people who were tormented in their lives. You could see the torment in their eyes, but see the transformation that began to take place as they encountered the Father's love and getting set free. Um, There were, uh, as the Holy Spirit just unleashed uh, just a powerful anointing, uh, getting testimonies from pastors, um, leaders, pastors, kids, um, being set free from depression. I really like that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, People who had been working hard in ministry for years but were just burnt out just burn out and to see the joy of the Lord come upon them and, and them get very open and honest about struggling with depression and getting set free. Um, uh, the, the team, they left on Monday, but I met with the pastor from that first conference um, after they had left and he had shared with me, he said, uh, I got another testimony. I don't, I don't know what the details were. He just, but he said, I got another testimony of somebody. He said, just from you giving them a hug, they received healing. Um, and uh, the very last night um, that I was there, we're just wrapping up some training time because I was able to spend time with the pastors during the day at, at the at Isai and Italia's church, ministering to them and then do some training with the church at night. And when we were done, kind of on my way out the door, uh, Jason, Dave's translator, his mom came up to me and she said, hey, I got this, someone I want to introduce you to, a young Venezuelan friend who they work together. And uh, so I met her, and we chatted for a moment. I was like, well, did, were you wanting prayer for something specific? She starts to tear up, and she said, yeah. And she said, um, I had cancer a while back, but it's come back. And uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to pray for you. Let me give you a hug, give her a hug. And I said, just sit down in this chair. Let me just pray for you. And this is pretty much like on my way out the door. So uh, this was not planned at all. So I just asked the Holy Spirit to come upon her, and, and I could just feel God's presence resting on her. And so I just knelt down beside her, and I said, what are you feeling? She's wiping away the tears, and she said, I feel different. I feel different. I said, that's awesome. You know, like, how do you feel different? She's like, well, I just, I, I just, oh my, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, this is where it was. I can't feel it. She had this, this, like, nodule of this cancerous growth on her neck. Wow. It had been there for a while. She's like, I can't feel it. And she starts jumping up and down and screaming and crying. Oh my it was so fun. It was so fun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Gave her a big hug and just celebrated. And uh, 
Yeah, so I, I love that because it wasn't, it wasn't even really in the church service. It was just kind of on the way out the door what God was doing. So there was, there was one pastor, the pastor that invited us, he had shared publicly that he had been going, he, he would preach on Sunday and then lock himself in a room for six hours. He was just depressed and, and had been struggling with depression for several years, crying out to God. He was on a, I think, 145-day fast. He'd eat one meal a day. Yeah, for, one meal a day. Yeah, one meal a day, yeah. It uh, wasn't they, a complete fast. Yeah, he, he rolled him in as a skeleton. No, he, uh, but he was just hungry, and God really met him and touched him. Now, one of his associate pastors got up and publicly apologized to him, and it was beautiful. A couple of them, really, you know, uh, apologized to their pastor for not backing him. And so this guy, he's in his, he's in his early 60s. He, I was speaking on... The, well, I was just sharing my journey with the Holy Spirit, and he admittedly shared this later, how he wasn't really into a lot of this Holy Spirit stuff and was very skeptical of any manifestations and was very uncomfortable with anyone, like, laughing in church. Okay? Yeah. So he wasn't into this at all. Of course, I don't know that. I'm just kind of walking through the crowd and just start laying hands on people. He definitely became one of the ones that was a little more into that than most. <laughs> He starts getting touched, and then I come up front, and I start just calling out people, and I said, bring that person up, bring this person up. And so he was one of them I called to bring up front. I don't even think he made it all the way up front, and he just got hit, and he's down on the ground just hysterically laughing. Yeah. So uh, after a while, Christopher's up there, and we're kind of winding it down, and Christopher's standing there, and this guy crawls up to Christopher with his eyes closed, laughing hilariously on his elbows, and starts untying Christopher's shoes. And Christopher's down and he said, Dave, look at this, check this out. And he's untying his shoes and he pulls out the lace. Woo! Then he pulls out the other, Woo! and he stood up. And Woo! Then he went back to his seat. A little while later, they came to get the shoelaces and he's like, what are these? Where'd I get these? It's like it he was, didn't even know what he was doing. Yeah. He was so lost in another dimension. It was a crazy, and it was, it was a prophetic sign from the Lord. And uh, then uh, he really got free because then we moved to a hotel uh, meeting area. And at one point, the music, they, they just went up there. People were just celebrating. Okay, the night before, we declared stuff over the, the, the pastor in his church. And Pastor Dave didn't catch this. But one of the things that's on the spirit, because they would have a lot of choreographed, they, like a lot of places in Latin America, they have a dance team that dances up front. It's choreographed. But I just, I saw in the spirit that they were going to come into a time of just wild and crazy, spontaneous dancing. At some point in the future, this was going to break out. And so I had no it idea broke out. The next day. He was up there. He took his suit coat off. He was. <laughs> then he threw it out. I told him, you're like a rock star, man. He's throwing your suit. So then he goes over to Christopher, picks him up and dances with him like a baby. And, uh, okay. So I really regret. I regret. I don't have a video. I don't know how he didn't see it. I don't, but we saw each other, and we just embraced, and I hugged him, and it was so weird because I could. All of a sudden, his hands started moving really fast. I'm like, uh oh, that's how his hands were on my feet. He's gonna do something. <laughs> and he picks me up and holds me sideways, so my feet are like dangling down here, and my head's over here, and he starts. Chris I don't mean like just moving. Baby. I mean, he's like bouncing up and down, dancing with me. So we're going to show hysterically. you. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, it was, it was awesome. It was good. And that was a prophetic. That, that, his untying Christopher's shoes was a prophetic act. 
And uh, we all knew it right away. People are like, man, I don't know what that was, but that was a prophetic act. I knew what it was right away. Uh, Sunday morning, and, and then I want to just fold, wrap this up, fold this up. Sun- Friday night, sure. Well, if you back up to Friday night. What? Yes, what, Marcos? Yeah. Pastor Marcos? So Sunday morning, we were at Isai and Natalia's church. Many of you remember them from a couple weeks ago. And at the end of the service, we gathered arms here just as a prophetic sign that, hey, we're, we realize there's a partnership in the spirit. And I was frankly shocked what I felt on the platform. And I thought, man, there's more to this than I realized. What I didn't realize at the time was that a number of years ago, some of you will remember this, when Bob Hazlett was here, I believe it was in 2011, Bob's one of our external overseers, a prophet, he came off the platform. October 2011. Okay. And uh, what time of day was it? What was the weather like? It anyway. Been a o'clock service. The, uh, this is probably about 9.30. He comes over to me and he prophesied. He said, he said I saw an offering that you received. It was a, it was a large offering. It was a breakthrough offering. You, you guys needed it. The finances were tight, but you sowed it to the nations. It was a breakthrough offering. You become a breakthrough to the nations. Remember that. And... Uh, I remember just the power on that word. And that, so that next week we went to Columbia and we began to release that just in English, saying Breakthrough the Nation. We saw people healed just by saying in English. They didn't even know what we were saying. Well, right after he did that, he went over to Christopher and he said, Christopher, I see you as, he said, your face is half blue and you're, you're riding through the nation screaming freedom. He said, it's like Braveheart. And, uh, and then said some other things that... Uh, about him provoking the enemy. And, uh, but what I didn't know, I hadn't realized, is that Isai and Natalia were in that service. And he went next, it was one long word, Chris, myself, Christopher, and then Isai and Natalia. And he said over Isai, he said, You're, God is going to give you influence in the nations in missions. You're going to speak to nations. Medellin is going to become known. It's good. People are going to come to Medellin for missions. I never realized that was one long word. Isai had just become the head of missions for the Assemblies of God in Colombia. He was then promoted to an international position. He's now, over, he's now part of an international coalition of, of missions agencies. And uh, so on, on that whole week afterwards, I was, just, I was meditating on this, what I felt on the platform. And uh, I kept seeing this picture of Isai at a door, down a hallway. He's at a door. And... Uh, I shared that with Isai on the way to church Sunday morning. I said, I, I, Isai, ever since you've been with us, I kept seeing this picture of you at the end of a hallway at a door. And I said, what I feel like is the Lord is saying you're an international doorkeeper and God's given you favor to be at the door, but the wisdom don't know who to send through it. And that there's an armory of sons and daughters throughout the earth you're going to know who to send through. And that we're at your disposal. That there's this, 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 uh, this partnership in the spirit. He said, well, that's interesting. He said, my name, Isai, is kind of a strange name for a Colombian. He said, it's more of a nickname. My dad named me a nickname because he didn't want me to have a nickname. So then I have one and they won't give me another one. He said, but it actually means doorkeeper. And so at the end of the service, Christopher, we preached on the honey. And man, God was moving. It was I mean, people got blasted, and so we, but Christopher, just as an afterthought, said, hey, let's get Isai and Natalia, his father and mother, his dad is an apostle in the nation. Literally hundreds of churches have come from the churches that he's planted. It's just layers of these churches that they influence, and uh, there's 35 churches, I believe, right in Medellin that have come out of that church that his father was the pastor for so many years, and so we had them come up, and we all stood, and and, uh, we just grabbed hands, just kind of wanted to do it there, what we did here. 
And as Christopher told everybody to stand, there was a wave of power that hit. I don't know if you want to... I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just felt like we were supposed to gather up there, and, I, and they were kind of like, what are we going to do? What's he going to do? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like we're supposed to do something. And so we gathered up there, and I just told the church, I said, hey, this is what God's doing. God's knitting us together. God is strengthening the ties between our churches, and we're called to partner together in missions around the globe. So um, I said, if you agree with that, I want you to stand. So people stood, and as they stood... In that moment, as they stood up, it's like this wave of this electrical charge from heaven just came out of there, just came over me. I was blown away. I just started, whoa, what in the heck? Literally, I think I said, what in the heck? I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then all of a sudden, it just changed, and this groan hit me. And I, some of you will know what I'm talking about, and some, and I, I can't explain it. But this groan hit me where I just found myself screaming and groaning, buckled over um, well, simultaneously, that began to hit with other people. And Natalia was standing right there, and she turned around, and she began to tell me the vision she was seeing at that moment. And Christopher was sharing the vision he was seeing in Spanish with the crowd, which was the same vision, and this was the vision. And I've, I've never, I mean, we've ministered with Isai and Natalia for almost, you know, going on 10 years now. And I've never seen her like this, but she was wailing and groaning and screaming out this prophetic, this vision. And she said, I see the heavens open and I see fire coming down on the nations. We're pregnant with the nations. And then she said, and Isai will open the door. And it freaked me out. Because she didn't know that I'd shared what I've been seeing for two weeks with Isai on the way to church. There was such an intense release of power. One of the pastors later said, they said, man, when that, when that groan started, this wind came off the platform, went right through them, and boom, they got slain in the spirit, and no one touched them. It was just this intense power. And I didn't know until that moment that this prophetic word was one word. This, the call of our church to be a breakthrough to the nations is connected to our relationship with Esai and Natalia. And their church in Colombia. And so you need to know you have a sister church in Medellin. And there's, there's a partnership that we've got to honor there. Kingdom partnerships, strategic partnerships are very crucial in the kingdom. The way you get into the kingdom is who you know. And that's how the kingdom advances. Who are you in relationship with? And there was this intensity one other thing that happened, in, uh, we were at the, the first conference, and uh, Pastor Marcos that invited us, he stood up and he looked at me after the service at Christopher, I think Christopher's first service, and he said, he said, Christopher, he said, your calling is larger than the local church. It's to the global church. And then he looked at me and he said, Dave, you need to get ready, because he's leaving. You need to find another pastor. And I thought, I can't believe he said that publicly. <laughs> because some time back, Christopher came in, talked with John and I, and tendered his resignation from being a pastor at the church. And this has been something that's been going on for really two years that we've all known as the leadership that this was going to come to this point. As many of you know, he's been going in and out of nations. Uh, lately, he's been gone more than he's been home. And this is promotion time. Yeah. Yeah. 
the metron that he occupies, it, he's outgrown the fence line of a local church pastor. And so we want to bless him to do that. Now, they're not moving yet. Uh, you know, I don't think they're moving at all, but, you know, they're not moving. I don't want to state something that will never happen. But he's, they're not moving. They're still going to be part of this church. Christopher's still going to be an elder. Beth's still on staff. Uh, it's just he's going to be gone a lot. His calendar is beginning to fill up, and there's invitations coming. So, Christopher, I want, if you want to just share. It's been a, a, a long uh, process, um, but like he said, with greater clarity over the last couple of years, um, I just I'll back up real quick and just say um, my last year of camp when I was a teenager, um, this, none of this was on my radar at all, but uh, so this would have been August of 1990. I was um, out in a field alone with the Lord. The Lord said, don't hang out with people. Just go get alone with me. I want to talk to you. I went out into this field, looked up into the heavens, and the Lord so clearly told me, he said, I'm going to take you around the globe. I'm going to send you to the nations to minister. And I'm like, I, I don't have any money. Nobody knows me. I don't, I've never been to another country. I don't have a passport, never flown. I, I have nothing. So if you want to do that, you're going to have to do it. And so, um, but he told me that way back then. And so, and, uh, and so it's, it's, it's been a process. But uh, really, I'd say it's amped up this year uh, where the Lord just really began to deal with me to just say, um, lay down your position, your salary, everything here at, at the church um, and embrace what I have for you full time. It's been really a series of of encounters and visions and just God confirming things along the process um, and, and getting godly, wise counsel from amazing, amazing men of God. Um, but uh, so I, I certainly don't want anyone to think, hey, I got a prophetic word the other day in Columbia, so I'm changing everything, I'm leaving. No, that, that was already the decision. That was already what God had made so clear. Um, that was just further confirmation on that trip. There were a number of confirmations. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's just been uh, really all this year of God leading me up to this point of making it so clear that it was time for me to um, take that leap of faith and jump on into the, the next phase of the journey that God has for me. And, man, I am. how many are thankful for Pastor David and his leadership? This amazing man of God to pastor the wild and crazy church that we have to say, you know what, we're not going to be, we're not going to just do things the normal way, but let's be led by the Spirit. And uh, man, I love this place. I love this house. You know, God called uh, me and my family here uh, just a few months after he became the pastor. We got here in July of 2002, jumped in, started leading worship like two months later. And uh, um, it's been an amazing journey, and, and I love it. And so this is our church family, has been, will continue to be. Like he said, we have no intention of moving. Um, we love this house, and it is an honor. It is an absolute honor to be a part of this church family and to be launched into the next season um, from this, this space. And I uh, love you guys. And Amen. Amen.
Go ahead and remain standing. We're, I want to I ask the elders to come forward. And uh, Leanne, if you would come as well. Uh, Leanne is Christopher's mother-in-law. And uh, she, she, also, she has a call to the nation. She, she function, travels as an apostolic leader throughout the nations. I want her to pray with us. Uh, Bob Hazlett gave us a word around that same time. And what he said was this. As the leadership step up a stair, everybody else has to step up to fill that space. We are family, so when one goes up, we all go up. This is promotion time. And I'm going to tell you, this is, this is going to be the first among many. There are going to be many people that we're sending out. We're going to send them out like flaming arrows to the nations. So I want you to extend your right hand towards Christopher. We want to bless him. And I do want to say this. He doesn't know I was going to say this. Listen, he's walking away from his salary. This is a step of faith. Uh, a lot of people would say, that's not a wise thing to do. I want, I, want you to, I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to support his ministry as he travels to the nation, if you believe what's on his life, you can give it to the church, and we're going to get that to him. He'll be, uh, I think he has a 501c3 already set up. But if you want to support him, especially for the next number of months when he gets off the ground, that would be a fitting thing to do. Amen? Let's pray. Christopher, could you kneel down? He will be finishing out the year, so he's got about a month left here. So, it, uh, Christopher, could you kneel down? Hallelujah. Let's get around, guys. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for Christopher. Lord, I thank you for what you've established in his life. And Lord, I thank you that he truly does run through the nations crying freedom. I thank you that what's on his life provokes the enemy out of hiding and, and accomplishes deliverance. Lord, we bless him. We thank you for him. And now, Lord, as a house, as a church family, we get behind him and we say, go. We're behind you. We bless you. Run hard. And, Lord, we, we commit to pray for him, Lord, to, to watch over the stuff as he goes, Lord, to love on his family as he's gone. I thank you, Lord. And, Father, I thank you that he's the first among many. He's the first among many that will be sent out from this house. Shoo. Father, I thank you that we are an apostolic sending center. And you're going to send flaming javelins to the, the nations of the earth out of this house. Hallelujah. Bless them, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. It was, it'll be next month, will be 12 years that this house sent Ray and I out as an apostolic team, and Christopher, what God has done in my life over these last 12 years, I declare and release into your life that it is truly a season of upgrade. Yes. It's a season of new beginnings. You're going to go to a new, through a new level of training for reigning. But God's grace will be there all the way, all the way. Hallelujah. Does anybody else have anything they need to? Christopher, I... You've established many sons in the house, and now you, the, the globe has sons that await you as father. Yeah, amen. Anybody else? 
Christopher, the white ship vision was the glory of the Lord that rests on this house was taken to the nations. We release to you the glory on this house so that you carry it to the nations. Hallelujah. 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 Anybody else? Christopher, when you started giving the announcement this morning, I immediately had um, Psalm 1 in my head that you are a tree planted by streams of living water. Now, the Lord told me that you represent an olive tree. And as I looked it up, the olive tree is the, one of the third highest producing fruits in all of the world. And so, Lord, we just declare that you are a son meant to release that fruit in the entire world. And you're going to be one of the highest producers as the son of God. There's going to be so much fruit that comes through you. Your roots produce fruit in shallow soil in dry ground. So Lord, we pray that in the summers, Lord, your, your, your ministry through Christopher would bring so much rain that even in the dry winters, the soil would be saturated with rain. Bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Christopher, you and I have had Lots of conversations over the last couple of years when it's just you, been you and I in your office or my office. But I feel the freedom to release publicly today what God has shown me many times and what I've shared with you as a friend. But God is sending you as a voice to bring a purity to the body of Christ. There is a holiness that must be released in these last days. And he's sending you to cause a reboot, even into movements that carry the presence of God, but they lack purity. They lack first love. And it's not a rebuke to them, but God is sending you to bring a refreshing, a recalibration to them that you're going to go and you're going to wash their feet and there's going to be a refocusing to first love. It's all over you. It's who you are. If people said, if you had one opportunity to just share what's in your heart, you, I've been with you. I've been with you in the middle of the night when you are just talking about your love for God and you're broken and you're crying out to him. I've been there when it's just you and me, when nobody else is around and you're talking about your love for Jesus and how you just want more of him. And I feel like he's saying, it's that heart that I need to release, that needs to be released into the earth. And I feel like just to say over you, you know this, but God's saying, go with confidence, son. You have everything you need. This training time has come to an end. And now it's time to go and release what I've given you. Do it with boldness. Do it with authority. And do it with confidence. And I will provide for you. And every word that I desire for you to speak, open up your mouth. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. And God has taught you what it is to be his boy. And now this is just a new opportunity for you to experience that relationship between you and him in a new different, new different season. And we say to you, 
We honor Christopher more than a pastor here. More than I ought as a man to a man. I honor your relationship with God. You are one of my heroes. And as you go, I'm asking God that that same heart that Christopher's carried and served us with as a house, that there would be an awakening and insight into that relationship that he has, that there would be a deposit. There would be something that's released, a hunger that's released to us. As he goes, somebody's got to fill the gap. Let it be this house that our hunger would increase because of what Christopher has modeled before us for many years. And we honor him today, Lord. And we say yes to what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lord, we yield ourselves to you. Lord, we ask, spend us. Spend us as a people. Lord, we ask that you would take the best and send us to the world, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.